Welcome back, adventure fans, to more of the League of Ultimate Questing. Real heroes, real action, real entertainment. My name is Kip Killigan, voice of the LUQ and servant of the Nexus Enterprise. And with me is the thick and thoughtful Stormclad Thundertongue. Thicker than Orcish Oatmeal. Only it's all meat. So, like, Orcish Oatmeal. Storm, we've been talking about a lot, but I can't wait for the new season to start. Our break will feel like an eternity, but when we get back, I'm ecstatic to get to know all the new faces. Do you have your eyes on any upcoming teams or star players for the next year? Honestly, I haven't been keeping up. Taking some time, focusing on the Thunder Tanks. I did try to get an old military buddy of mine to join the League, though. Figured he could pocket some fat drag sacks. He was always a badass. They called him the Tank. The Tank, huh? I'm guessing he wore lots of armor. Nah, nah, never touched the stuff. He was a half-orc. Well, half-orcs can wear armor. Yeah, but not this one. He was a wizard. I thought you said he was a half-orc. Half-orcs can be wizards. No, uh, of course they can. What I mean is, why did they call him the tank? Same reason they call you Kip, or me Storm. He was the tank. So the tank was a half-orc wizard. Was he part of a team? He and Bandit were always together. Was Bandit a rogue? Not all rogues are bandits, Kip. He was a healer. Bandit was a healer? Uh, well, what kind of healer? I don't know. Probably Dornish. But he used divine spells. What? No. Bandit was a dog. You know, a healer. They went everywhere together. Them and Falcon. Falcon? A another animal companion? Nah, nah. Falcon was like a generic elven ranger. Never cared much for Falcon. But his pet paladin, on the other hand. Okay. Well, while we get this sorted out, let's tune in to Reginald 419 to follow the Mortal Dawn as they cross the threshold into the burial caverns of the Clan Ulfman, deep below the Himmelhorn Mountains. Stay tuned. Deep in the bowels of the Himmelhorn Mountains, cold to your core, and surrounded by tributes to the ancestors, the group proceeds through the ancient stone caverns, where the remains of countless dead Ulfmund warriors from the past reside. Arvid. Yeah? You look pretty brutalized after that fight. Do we want to stop and take a few moments to collect ourselves? I think that would be necessary. I see no issue with it. I could use a nap. The caverns here seem very quiet. There's a thick layer of ice that has grown over the stone of the walls. So most of the statues, while visible, are hidden behind this frozen sheet. And you're not sure if this is how it was in the past or if this is a recent development. But they seem just empty and lifeless. You heard tales in your childhood of how the barrows where your ancestors were kept were bright and luminous, beautiful. This seems cold and unforgiving. Uh, Rivington, is there somewhere nearby that we'll be able to take a few moments, or should we just camp out here in the hallway? It looks around and sniffs the air and says, Not back. <laughs> Not forward. Here. Seems best. All right. The watchful eyes of the Ulfman clan will look over us. They'll perhaps cast more shadows than they used to. Hmm? I'm perfectly comfortable with shadow. And I sit down. Crystal, just start humming... A little soft tune. This song of rest. I'm going to cast prayer of healing during our rest as well. Mm. And there is a little bit of beauty that comes from the echoing of your gentle song. A, a little bit of life returned to this place. And as it cascades down the hallways, it just seems to linger throughout the entire time you spend recovering. Anyone who was injured, including Morty, regains 17 hit points from my prayer of healing. And then... If uh, Krista's Song of Resting, I don't remember what that one does. 
a d6 one mm-hmm. wait did you say out of a d6 it was one? Oh no Chris gets to roll a d6 and if you spend any hit dice during your short rest they are increased by that extra number I think it's just one time isn't mm-hmm. it? yeah not per hit die yeah that isn't one no <laughs> wait what's the regular mechanic you roll your hit die to get that much back yep and you add your con bonus to each of them and you can spend as many as you want Let's see if I can get it all back might as well got the hit dice might as well use them 60 70 87 we'll stop there just kidding i don't need 87 i was thinking about the damage i actually took Mm. what a goober (laughs) well then you're all good topped off to full so as you all rest as much as you can here in this place um arvid as you're leaned back bandaging your wounds and trying to ignore the pain that's racking your body rivington sits between your legs and looks up at you and says now arvid you must understand the ritual that will take place there are totems in the final chamber Beyond that is where the bodies reside. There is one to all of the sacred animals of your family. Each one must be christened with the ashes of an Ulfman ancestor, as you have in the gourd. And then you must say a prayer in the tongues of the beasts to thank them for their guidance. Okay, so uh, let me uh, get these ashes. Mm-hmm. Are the totems... You'd have to walk down to go see them. They are in the final chamber. Um, as soon as we're all ready i i don't think i should go ahead without uh escort in case anything has gone wrong i will join you okay i will also join so what are all the totems uh you would know that the four spirit animals that your people most draw themselves to is first and foremost the bear of the mountain that is the predominant um symbol that your people follow yes it is uh the one you sought out and it is the one your mother worshipped and most of your immediate family there is also the falcon, the wolf of the forest, and the leopard. The leopard? Yeah. It is a very old one. The Ulfmans have not sung the praises of the leopard in some time. But back when you lived higher in the mountains, it was much more common for that to be the uh, spirit animal. Ah. Okay. And as far as giving a prayer in their tongue, I'm sure that's where that innate ability of the furbolg come in. Married, yeah, with your ability to transform into them. It's because you've seen through the eyes of the beast that you can enact this ritual. You know the mind of the animal. Okay. And it is very uncommon for the Ulfman clan to have these powers. Your mother was the only druid in your clan for a very long time, which is why she was elected to leader. Okay, I've prepared everything. I'm ready. Will you Will you two join me? Are we of just course. leaving Haru alone? No, of course I am coming. Okay. <laughs> I must... <laughs> Warn you all that I smell something in the air. It smells like blood. Blood? Like a battle happened? Or... And you can all kind of pick up on it as you proceed down the corridors, just that kind of hint of fresh copperiness. We should not be surprised at all if we find members of my fallen clan. Well, uh, Arvid, this brings up another point. Should... Anybody not a fallen? What would you have us do? We'll have to handle it as it comes. I I don't know why they wouldn't be able to return home if they're injured. Um, we may have to leave them with what help we can and come back at the end of the journey. All right. You speak much more wisely than you did as a child, Arvid. Wisely, with big quotes. Hmm. Really? He's boring. (laughs) 
what he means is, yes, we miss our old bombastic friend. No, I'm... what I mean is that death and, and, and life and religion should have bombasticity. It should be positive. It should be something good. This kind of uh, mopiness does not become of it. I'm actually inclined to agree. I have no illusions as to what you mean, Artyom. <clears throat> All right. So with Arvid and Revington leading the way, you enter a much wider chamber. The statues here are much taller. They seem like architecturally they would be the support beams that hold this cavern in place, also encased in this cold gray ice. And as it opens, you see a round stone chamber with some natural walls, jagged shards of ice hanging down from the ceiling, a smooth, polished floor with a sheen of permafrost over it. And in four corners, there are statues of the four animals, the falcon, the leopard, the wolf, and the bear. Beyond that, there are two large passages that lead downward. And you understand that that is where bodies would be encased into the wall and then frozen over with ice to be held for time. There is a sheen of blood that leads from the hallway into the room. And some of the polished stone is reflecting with this faded blood spread. It seems as though it's slightly frozen over itself. And there are two bodies near the center of the chamber. One of them is a large female Fairbolg, adorned with robes of many colors, browns, tans, gold, white, a large headdress adorned with antlers, and a large cloak. Their body is broken, twisted, cut open. But at their side, there is a bear, a large white bear of the mountain, unconscious, covered in blood, covered in the sacred paintings that you have been told it adorns itself with. There are bands wrapped around its arms. It wears some large makeshift jewelry around its neck, and it lies motionless. Arvid startles at first, then sets his jaw and heads his way towards the scene. As he gets closer, you can tell he's uh, he's feeling a bit more reticence, doesn't want to see what he's got to see, stops almost completely up to them and turns away from the bodies and says, Artyom. Duh. I, I feel you may have the, the best, the most appropriate skills for this. Um, maybe you can make something of the wreckage of her body. Of course. Nothing better than making meat look good. I clap my hands together. Um, I'm not sure you understand what I mean. I, I would like you to see if you can decipher what happened exactly. Oh, I just assumed that this was some kind of funereal ritual. Duh, I can do this. All right, so let's see a medicine check from Artyom as you inspect the body of Spirit Mother Earthland. I'm going to go ahead and sample the blood from the wounds so mm -hmm. I can kind of get an idea of like time of death, cause of death, things like that. And so I'm going to get that advantage. 12 plus 7, 19. All right, you're not as used to dealing with blood that has been held at this temperature for so long. Well, where you come from can get pretty cold. This is like inside of a chest freezer. But you do your best to estimate that it's probably been dead for at least a week, maybe longer. The body looks like most of the injuries are on the back, as though it was struck from behind several times. Some through the throat, most damaging vital organs, some through the spine itself. Any particular kinds of wounds? 
looks like large weapons, axes perhaps, or two-handed swords. The the two bodies that are in here is it the bear and Arvid's mom mm-hmm. are the only bodies that we see. Yes. Were there other exits or entrances to this room or just the one we came through? There are two passages that lead on to where the bodies are buried. And on a very simple inspection, you can see what looks like a small trail of blood that leads down into one of them. Okay. Harthax is going to wave their hand over their staff of the witness and the eye is going to open on it. And then sort of an astral version of it is going to drift off as I'm going to use three charges to cast arcane eye. Okay. And then send that down the path to go look, follow that trail of blood Cool. Um, on its own. And that basically just gives you a little moving scry sort of thing. Basically, yeah. yeah. Move 30 feet around and I can see through it. Okay. As the eye drifts downward, the three of you plus Rivington are in this room with the two bodies. It doesn't look like there's very many injuries on the body of the bear itself, but it's motionless. It has blood on it, but perhaps not from injuries of its own. And you do see the four statues standing there. And it looks like one of them has a small pile of ashes that have been poured on the front of it. As though the ritual had started and then did not get completed. Maybe while RTM's looking at the body, Arvid will inspect bear. The motionless, yeah. It's a bear you think you've seen once before, but it's been a very long time. Just a bear. I mean, it has the same paintings on it that you met at a long point, but this one seems like some of the jewelry that it's adorned in is slightly different. One thing that you notice is that It usually has a series of bands wrapped around its neck with small effigies of stone and bone. This one has this sort of deep blue gem surrounded by copper and gold that was a necklace your mother always wore. It was one of her symbols of leadership. Am I able to rouse the bear? As you even put your hand on it, it's cold, as though it's been down here for a very long time, frozen over almost. But when you make contact with it, the room grows bright for just a moment as what looks like Chains and shackles of spiritual energy holding it down onto the ground appear for just a fleeting moment, and then the room goes dark again. Christ? Christ? Yes? Yes? Aren't you able to dispel magic? Uh, yes, indeed. Um, where? It appears there's something, some kind of strange energy here. Can you can you look at it? Uh, yes. Uh, just point me in the direction. Okay. I'll walk Christ over to the bear. All right. You two begin inspecting the bear. While this is happening, Harithax's eyes are glowing with the color of the arcane eye, and you're slowly guiding it down this passage. You can see holes cut into the wall encased in ice where bodies would be. The ice has grown thin on many of them, and as you go deeper, it's cracked away at places. The trail of blood starts to fade away, and then it just becomes natural stone. You don't obviously hear anything because you're gazing through a magical eye, Mm -hmm. but you can see dark shapes moving in the distance. And you can see dust and snow and debris starting to trickle out of some of the holes in the wall. Something's moving down this passageway. Does it look like they're approaching? It does. We've drawn attention. Prepare yourselves and I'll snap out of my eye. Okay. I'll keep concentrating on it for now so I can I can zoom back into it, but... Understood. Concentration will be maintained. So, you've been alerted. The two of you are standing over the bear... So Chris will begin to reverberate just to get a better sense of the magical energies, that, you know, tone of magic. Mm-hmm. And he's going to very carefully take his claw and undo the chain. And that's his way of dispelling this magic. As you carefully pluck at it, you can tell that while it's tethered to the ground, some of them enter the body of Spirit Mother Ulfmund. Oh, no. Um, uh, 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 Artyom, Arvid, um, 
I, I can keep going, but this might injure this poor being's body. Well, it sounds like we don't have a whole lot of time to consider it. Um, something's coming? Yes, and you can all hear them now at this point. The sound of many shuffling feet. A kind of deep groaning that while has a sort of deathly weakness to it is full of anger. Can I cast something before they get here? Yes. I would like to stand up, wipe the blood on my hands off on my coat. Well, second verse, same as the first. You know what to do. I pull out my shield, I hit it, mm -hmm. and I cast a guardian of faith. Okay. But when it manifests, it looks like Arvid's mother. Oh my God. Triggered. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. Bearing a shield and sword. Bearing. Not now. <laughs> <laughs> so a glowing silhouette very similar to the shape of your mother, appears holding these radiant weapons and armor facing down the hallway. And for clarity, the one that the ritual had been started on was the bear statue. That's okay. the one that has some ashes in front of it. And I like to move up so that I'm kind of blocking them out. Okay. As you look down the passageway, Harathax and Artyom looking down each one respectively, you see these dark shapes. They cast out into the room and you can hear an energy kind of coming from the very tall ceiling of this chamber. And these ghostly spirits that look like broad, long-haired, ancient furbolg warriors, some of them more like casters, carrying stabs with feathers and bears' teeth through their nostrils and hanging from their chins, start to coalesce in the hallway. And it seems as though they're moving through each other. They're filling the entire space some of them have bones and decayed bodies floating inside of the spirits. And rather than moving forward like an army, they're starting to merge and push together. A huge set of ghostly hands with bits of flesh and bone kind of hovering inside of them appear, pulling a giant shape out of the first chamber. And a huge axe emerges from the second, pulling a body out as two undead giants made of spectral energy filled with the bodies of bones and zombies of the Ulfman clan emerge into the chamber and you can sense the roaring anger and rage from every spirit holding them together. Some kind of dark force is motivating them to seek out blood. Let's roll initiative. Woo! And at the top of the round, of course, they will enter the area and do the thing. Mm -hmm. So I will get everyone's initiative, please. You have a three? Uh, I am at an eight. Hmm. Chris said a nine. Woo! <laughs> Killing it. Mm -hmm. Harthax is a 13. And Arvid is 18. Wow. There you go. <laughs> Speedy barbarian. Wow, you just barely beat the bad guys who rolled an 18, nyak, nyak, but have nyak. a negative one. Cool. So, as these two undead giants made of spiritual energy and corpses emerge in the chamber. You can see that the bodies seem to emanate out from them. Like at their feet, there are groups of ghostly warriors clashing their weapons together, roaring for blood, as though they have an aura of negative energy around them. Very similar to an ancestral guardian, but one of undead vengeance and the seeking of life. Arvid? Yep. Okay. So just to clarify, mm -hmm. uh, Arvid would know that the actual rituals he's performing, they're each going to be like 10 minute rituals. No, not necessarily. And in fact, Rivington scampers up to you and says, Arvid, the rituals keeps them at bay. 
Yes, that's what I thought, but I just wanted to make sure it wasn't silly. Okay. It looks like the bear's already been affected, maybe possibly even completed the ritual. Who knows? Because it just looks like there are ashes on it, right? Mm -hmm. So Arvid will deduce that perhaps it has already been done. And if not, he can do it last. Sure. So he's going to go for the wolf first, I think, because it's the least perilous spot on the map. And try to... uh, yeah, try to finish the rituals in hopes that it will uh, assuage these angry undead. Cool. And you have exactly 30 feet to get there, it looks like. Sweet. And wherever you go, I'm just going to basically have Rivington be following right behind you. Okay. Arvid is also going to pop a rager because <laughs> <laughs> he's got a lot of them and he might get hit. He's got a lot got of ragers. You feel an energy as soon as you open up that part of you that awakens the anger inside it's like opening an oven and instead of seeing a normal small burning flame there's an inferno you can tell that trying to tap into that here might be incredibly dangerous okay cool and also now that i think about it performing a ritual while enraged probably not ideal yes okay very difficult if not impossible yeah and even if you did i imagine feeling fury while trying to invoke good things might taint it (laughs) Okay, okay. So uh, we'll just say Arvid's going to try to perform the rituals. It, it involves uh, ashes, anointing ashes upon the statues and mm-hmm. speaking to the animals a cant in their tongue. Mm-hmm. So an awu would be appropriate here. Sure. Uh, you don't need to roll me anything, but I would like you to tell me what you are telling the spirit of the wolf. Okay. So Arvid will say, spirit of the wolf, I come and beseech thee, bring your unity and purity upon our lands and protect us your pack nice give it a roll um, not necessary um you as we're instructed open the gourd and pour out some of these very old ashes onto the base of it and as you do just for a moment it seems as though the wind comes and crests the hair of the wolf although it's a statue cool. okay and oh. it does take your whole turn to execute this kind of ritual So the two undead giants enter the chamber, the one on the right immediately stepping into this aura of radiant energy that Artyom summoned. So I'm going to make a wisdom saving throw. Don't. (laughs) Do it bad. Uh, I got a six. No dice, fool. That's 20 damage. 20 damage. Are they vulnerable? They are not vulnerable, but I will say that the aura... They have their own stuck to them, mm. a negative one, and it will be much weaker when they're adjacent to this thing. Cool. So it's basically the good energy is fighting their horrible bloodlust from undeath. Sure, sure. And how much damage did you deal? 20. 20, right, of course. I was like waiting for a roll, and I'm like, that's not how that spell works. <laughs> that just happens immediately. Then they begin to enter a charge. There's a, several targets right near this one, so it's going to move forward, and it will remain in the area. The one from the left chamber enters a charge swinging a huge axe latched together of the bodies of your ancestors and held together with spectral tethers. It's going to do two attacks, one on Harithax and one on Arvid, who is mid-ritual. The first attack of Harithax. Okay. That is a 22 to hit. Uh, believe it or not, yes. I lose track of what you guys have for HP and stuff, so. <laughs> or AC, I suppose. Uh, 22, I think, it hits anyone in the party. Archim's getting close. Yeah, just shy. Yeah. Uh, 16 necrotic damage to you. Okay. As this ghostly axe carves through your body and you feel like the bone and the flesh connect, but the axe just passes all the way as though it strikes your very soul. Gnarly. 
and with the follow-through, it brings the axe around into Arvid's back. Whether or not it succeeds, we shall see. Uh, 17? Yeah. Yeah. Dang. Uh, 19 necrotic damage. Oh my. <laughs> Very serious pencil oh lick there. And this one is going to make, I suppose, two attacks at Artyom. Yikes. I will not be doing warding flare. Okay. So we're coming at you with a 21 and an 18. Ah, uh, the 21 miss, uh, 21 hits, the 18 misses. Okay. You take 14 necrotic damage. Yikes. So around this giant, the aura of ghostly warriors is doing battle with the spirit mother Ulfman that you summoned. She seems to be keeping them at bay, not letting them just rip everything in its vicinity to ribbons. All of their attention is on it. Harathax and Arvid, I need both of you to make me a wisdom saving throw at the end of this creature's turn as you are adjacent to it. Okay. This is a critical failure. Uh, mine's a 10 total. A 10 total? Okay, yeah. those are both fails? Yep. Uh, you both take six more necrotic damage. So as these ghostly warriors of your ancestors start to pile on top of Harathax and Arvid, one of them charges out from between this giant's legs wielding a spectral sword, one of your family, and it arcs out in a black streak and shatters the urn in your hand as the ash of your ancestor falls to the ground. All right, all right, hold up. I missed something. Why are those giants full of ghosts? I imagine they're held aloft by the violent will of the Warsworn banished into the mountains, now left as undead outcasts to haunt the clan's past. I mean, I get all that. Ancestors, unquiet dead, it's par for the course. But who's the head ghost, so to speak, that decided on freaky deaky corpse pinata for the final form? With their powers combined, they went with cadaver collage. The MDs are surely in for the fight of their lives. Who knows what kind of new tricks and clever strategies they'll employ. Usually when you're toe-to-toe -to -toe with a tall boy, you want to go for the Achilles. Calf muscle packs up and heads for thigh town, and they topple over like a stack of flagons. But these bad boys are just bones and rage. Good thing I brought the mortal dog. I've seen a good pooch pull down a storm giant like a pair of pants. Well, the mortal dawn are often well suited for duking it out with undead, but these foes may prove to test the limits of their abilities. And trying to enact a ritual at the same time? It's like trying to solve a jigsaw puzzle in a lifeboat after accidentally desecrating a shrine to the sea bitch. And before you ask, it was an accident. Let's just hope Arvid's been investing some time in multitasking. And speaking of investing, let's take a step back to catch our breath and view some ads from this week's sponsors. Stay tuned. Summertime is here, and that means it's time for people to come together. Family farms bring their handmade wares and harvests to one place to do trade and form a community. But these are dangerous times, and that means you may need more in your basket than just food for your family. That's why we invite you to the Harmer's Market. Look at these fresh maces and morning stars. Ah, organic and source certified. Got vampires? Just get one of these hand-whittled wooden stakes in their heart, and it's all over. As a bonus, this also works at killing most other things, too. Nobody makes poison like Aunt Rita. The secret ingredient is cinnamon. Now, these may look like ordinary apples, and they are. But you peg someone in the noggin with one of these bad boys, and they'll be dazed long enough to get in close with one of Farmer Haber's cruelty-free daggers. They're cruelty-free because they kill quick. Blades, bludgeons, bows, and bear traps. 
Everything you need to end a life or make it suffer. When it comes to killing foes, your one-stop shop is the Harmer's Market. We'll produce results. Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Bartha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts. Hi there, LU cuties. I hope everyone's enjoying this chapter as much as we enjoyed recording it. And I hope it's bringing some light in dark times the way you all do for us. Your support and the community you're building around this show that we love makes this all worthwhile. I want to give a special thank you to our Patreon subscribers, and in particular, our legendary teams, which have a new member who goes by the name of Darsmail. I hope I got that right. <laughs> Welcome to the Ancestors Fury and the legendary teams. Those teams are the Cultured Cutthroats, the Ancestors Fury, the Tavern Brawlers, the Iron Rhapsody, and this week's featured team, the Moonlight Vale, with Christian Wiseman, Jen Finch, Eerie Luna Rose, and Maisie. Thank you all so much. It came to my attention recently that some people think that our Discord server is a Patreon exclusive, which it is definitely not. A Patreon sub just nets you your rank in the server and access to the Heroes Lounge, where we post bloopers, deleted scenes, and highlights. So come check us out, and you can find a link to the Discord at the top of the LUQ.com. You can also find a link to our Twitch channel, where Law and I stream great stuff all week. I have a regular stream Monday through Thursday at 6pm PST, and Law often jumps on late nights. In addition, Law and I have been running a Pokemon Challenge playthrough together, Tuesdays at 7.30pm, and it has been crazy. This week's stream is tonight, actually, Monday the 13th of July, starting at 5pm PST, but we'll be back to Tuesdays next week. So come check it out, hang out with the other fans, and watch Law and I fall apart as our favorite little friends die before our very eyes. Thank you again, and without further ado, let's get you back to the action. My name is Thomas Turner, and welcome back to Behind the Shield, a look at the behind-the-scenes happenings of the League of Ultimate Questing. LUQ teams have warriors, wizards, snipers, specialists, and of course healers, just to name a few of the roles to be filled. But not all healers are team members. League healers work the field during LUQ events to mend wounds, remove disease, and of course, raise dead team members when the time comes. The League employs no less than 20 professional medical clerics for each major event, roles which require at least five years of experience, proven results, and a recommendation from a high priest. While healers come in more shapes and sizes than just clerics, the League prefers contracting through the high temples for transparency and consistency of results. Yes, I've, I've been a League healer for two years now. It's confidential how many resurrections the League has performed, but I myself have enacted at least a dozen this year. And I'm not even a manager. I've seen more broken limbs and ruptured organs in two years of League work than in my entire career in the clergy, and I trained during the Siblings' War. 
Once the League started insuring teams participating in controlled events with cheap resurrections, it's estimated that the yearly total of people being raised from the dead increased by over 125%, a number the Commissioner is quoted saying she is very proud of and excited to see grow. Join us next time for more Behind the Shield. Thomas Turner, signing out. top of the initiative, it's Harothax's turn. You're at the base of an undead giant surrounded by spectral ancestral warriors. You see the gourd in Arvid's hand get smashed and ash falls to the ground and soaks up the snow and ice that's melted there. I take a step back to be next to Arvid mm-hmm. and Harothax is going to say, you have never been our brightest star, but you are our strongest. We need your arcane might right now. You cannot fall. And I cast Death Ward on Arvid. Ooh, that's cool. Very cool. With my action, I'll Death Ward Arvid. And then with my bonus action, uh, I will just shillelagh my Staff of the Witness and prepare to stand toe-to-toe with this spectral ghost giant. Awesome. Is it corporeal at all, or is it... It's a nice half and half. Okay. So I, I think that it could be affected by spells that would... Seems logical, yeah, okay. based on what you know about undead. All right. Is it one creature? Mm-hmm. With an aura. With an aura, okay. So it's not it's not like a multiple, like a swarm. Kind of mechanically like a swarm, but okay. it's basically imagine a ghostly pinata full of zombies. Okay. Mm, <laughs> All right. So yeah, uh, death word on Arvid, uh, Shillelagh on the staff. Nice. That's that's what I got for this turn. Excellent. And that brings it to Chris, who was basically testing the chains of this spiritual tether. And as these horrible necrotic energies enter the chamber, you're caught off guard as there is a small shift in the mass of the bear pulling against the chain for just a moment weak almost lifeless Ooh. okay just just hold on just bear with me boo terrible how dare you sorry i didn't mean that <laughs> i know lots of craziness is going on the, the battlefield chris is going to stroke the bear's fur say it's going to be okay I don't know if they're going to have a role, but that's meant to inspire just in case they do. Okay. With the insight you've gathered from inspecting the scene here, you can tell that whatever it is that's holding this thing down is draining its energy. You think it's okay. not necessarily like a lack of life, but the, the chains that bind it's just, it. Just the chains. Okay. Then I will continue to dispel magic. And if I see it actually doing damage, mm-hmm. then I will use my bonus action to cast Healing Word on. Oh, okay. That makes sense. Great. Yes. So you're going to roll me an ability check using your d20 and your charisma to try to dispel the magic. <sighs> I mean, I was considering doing max level anyway to make sure that it happens. Does that give me any advantages? Oh, what's your, what's your max caster? Is it fourth? Fourth. Not quite. Not quite. Yeah. All right. Roll them, lucky boy. I'm going to try. Okay, it's it's what kind of roll? Charisma. Oh, that's a 19. 19. Yes. That would be enough to dispel pretty much any spell. <laughs> Yay! Oh. Hot damn. So, you lay one hand comfortingly on this immobile bear figure, and with your crystal claw, you glide it between some links of the chain. You feel the hunger from inside of you, that which consumes magic at all cost. You feel a crackling, hardening in your chest. And you pull the finger back as the chains explode and snap, becoming visible for just another moment before dissipating. As they melt and fade away, the ones that connect with Spirit Mother Ulfman seem to light like a fuse that enters her body, and it dissipates into a pile of ash. 
with that, the runes on the bear begin to glow and it lurches up onto its giant back legs, standing now some near 10 feet tall and, <laughs> and leaving an after image of its claws. It begins to tear into this undead giant instantly. Ah. <laughs> there it is. <laughs> yeah. As an inspired bear. Yeah, one of its claws just pulls a full three bodies out of its mass and tears them to the ground, and it's just setting upon it with all of its tenacity. That brings us to Artyom. Come at me, Urod. Come on. Wang, wang, bang, bang, bang. As I hit my shield, I run away from him, and with each hit, the shield gets brighter and brighter and brighter. Mm -hmm. I gesture as if I'm throwing the shield, but off of it spins a chakram mm -hmm. that lands next to the other giant that's not approximate to me. And then when I land at the point between them, I'm going to punch the ground and from it, the light shines out, causing a radiance of dawn. Awesome. Uh, order of operations will be the attack of opportunity. Then you can immediately attack with your spiritual weapon. Warding flare. Warding flare. Hoping, and with each hit, I'm shining. Uh, 18 is the lowest of the two. No dice. All right, it ricochets off of your prism ward. You make it to the center of the chamber. Go ahead and roll your spiritual weapon. Can do. Critical failure. This one just passes through the spectral bodies inside of this giant. Shucks. And then they both roll themselves a nice juicy save. I think it's constitution. Well, either way, one of them rolled absolute dog shit and the other one rolled super good. Hey. So one is going to take half, the other full. Nice. Go ahead and roll me that beautiful bean footage. Mm-hmm. That is a seven and a one. Eight plus my cleric level, which is eight. So 16. That's the one. So the entire room for a fleeting moment fills with pure sunlight, and you can see the reflections casting through the ice walls. There's a slight sheen against them as a very small amount of the outer layer melts for a moment and then begins to freeze again. And you can see through some of the ice... It seems as though the passages behind are empty. There's more to these walls than just stone and ice. Something else lies beyond. The giants recoil at the sunlight. Some of their spectral bodies inside of them just wither away and fall into nothingness. They seem notably weakened. Ooh. That brings it to the top of the initiative, which is Arvid Ulfman. Cool. Arvid. Wow, an upsetting last turn. He does it look to him like he can scrape up any amount of the ash that fell. It no. looks like it fell right into like snow and ice, just kind of. Yike. Okay, so he's going to then, I think we should try using the Misty Step. That will avoid the attack of opportunity, right? Yeah. Okay, so Arvid has Boots of the Winter Court. Yes, absolutely. And so he can teleport 30 feet to a spot that he can see. I think he should land right next to his mum's ashes. Mm -hmm. Fucking choice. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, so yeah, he looks up. And Misty steps away mm -hmm. to his mother's ashes and grabs a handful of them, trying not to dwell too much on the pain he'd, he's feeling mm -hmm. in the moment. And he's going to go for the falcon statue. If he can go around the back of the bear, that would uh, that would be probably safest. There's room between them. I mean, you're no stranger to the battlefield. You kind of magically appear out of this Eladrin cloud of smoke scooping up a handful of ashes and just make your way straight to the statue and you still have your action to use to enact the ritual excellent okay so he while anointing the statue says spirit of the falcon shroud us in your protecting wings and keep a watchful eye out for all that might do us harm fantastic nice 
and there's a small gust of wind that blows through the chamber as the feathers of the tail seem to waft gently before returning to stone. And for a fleeting moment, as you look around the chamber at the awareness of whether or not the ritual took hold, you briefly lock eyes with the bear. And although it is in a rampage, it glances for just a moment down at you with familiar eyes. Ooh, chill. That will make it the enemy's turn. It's going to attempt to go toe-to-toe with the bear, but it's also going to kind of shift forward. It's going to make one attack at the bear and one at Christ, who liberated the bear. Oh, it can reach you. <laughs> oh, it can reach you. <laughs> Hold up. No. <laughs> no. Uh, the first blow easily hits the bear's low armor class, but it stands just furious and resolved. Doesn't just chop it down like a tree. <laughs> just, oh, bear's dead. And the next one comes down at Christ. Warding clear. Uh, I'll roll again. So we are looking at... A 16. Ooh, that misses. Yes. Ooh, interesting. Yes. Yeah, so as it's coming down at you, just from your peripheral, a flash of light, almost like it's still ricocheting off of the walls from the huge burst that came earlier, catches the giant in the eye and it misses by a hair. Thanks, Artyom. No problem. Over on this end, Arvid just vanished out of nowhere. So this beast only has one target with which to draw its attention. Haru of Thax. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Well, the good news is the first one is only a nine. That will miss, in and fact. the second one is a crit. That oh! is not great. All right. Mm. 32 points of necrotic damage. Okay. Yikes. Oh, yeah. Blast you with necrotizing fasciitis. Yeah. Mm. I think that Guardian of Faith might still hit. Yeah. So I'm going to make a wisdom save. Mm-hmm. I got a six. Hey, hot Ooh. damn. That's another 20. So at the end of the giant's turn, their auras do activate as always. Um, this one, oh, once shit. again, is being held at bay because it's still within the ancestral guardians that Artyom summoned. Mm. So no one adjacent to it has to worry about his horribleness. But Haru does have to make me a wisdom save versus the aura that they are in. Okay. Nada? Nine. Okay. <laughs> nine. Tis a nine. Yeah. Uh, 19 that time. <gasps> I rolled real bad on 2d10 last time. I rolled real good this time. All right. Harthax uh, is unconscious. Holy shit. No. I, had, I had 18 hit points left. I was like, well, I only took six last time, so I should stay fine. Oh, dear. But yeah, Harthax <laughs> is at zero. Wow. Fuck. I thought you were a hit point machine. Uh, well, I have 72, but I took a boatload. <sighs> 72? Yep, that's my max. So, okay. so yeah, Harthax is down. Uh, okay, so as someone who hasn't played a lot of 5e, what does that mean? Uh, well, it's my turn, isn't it? Mm-hmm. That means I start my turn with a death save, Alante. Uh. So you all see Harithax. The giant struck them and struck them hard. But it was not the weapon that fell them, but the hordes of undead that pull them to the ground from the aura as Harithax falls limp to the icy floor. We haven't seen this in a minute, so at this point, now that Harithax is at zero hit points, Michael's going to start making death saving throws on each of his turns. He has to roll above a 10 or equal to a 10, and three successes means that Harithax stabilizes. Three failures means that Harthax dies. And if for any reason he gets any health? He starts from zero and gains that much health. If I roll a one, it counts as two failures. If I roll a 20, I immediately regain consciousness with one hit point. And any Ooh. attack against an unconscious PC counts as two lost death saving. It's an automatic critical, which is two failed saves. Yikes. And uh. just to clarify, does this death aura count as an attack against him? It does not. Okay. Oh, God. <laughs> That would have been nasty. Yep. And unfortunately, because Harithax is immediately after the giant, uh, I 
I have to take this before anyone has a chance to react. Mm -hmm. That is a six. That is one failure for Harifax. Chris, get them back on his feet. I've got the plan. Oh, okay. And speaking of, that brings us to Chris's turn. Chris hears Artyom, sees what's going on, and just like goes full-blown running towards Harifax, pops out a potion, opens his mouth and starts pouring it in. Mm -hmm. He's holding Harifax just a little bit, hoping he's getting consciousness. And at the highest level he can, he's, he's saying, you're okay, you'll be okay, you'll be okay. So that's fourth level healing word. Oh, okay. Sweet. So go ahead and roll me 2d8 for the healing potion. Yeah, you got okay. it. <laughs> Seven and one. God damn it. Plus four. Plus four. All right. And then healing word at fourth level is 4d4 plus your charisma mod. Ooh. Ooh. It's a solid minimum. <laughs> okay. It's, it's eight minimum again. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So that is eight plus four. Eight plus four again for the healing word. All right. So Thank 12 plus 12. You have now 24 hit points to the unconscious Harithax, who is, of course, now conscious. Woo. All right. Yikes. And that brings us to Artyom's turn. And Harithax, you slowly come to, you are cradled in Chris's arms, looking down at an injured Harithax and looking up into a very frantic Chris a grand face. little tear crystallizing mm-hmm. in the corner of his eye. Mm. Arvid. I hope the ice in here isn't important, because it's not going to be here for long. I reach up, and through the haze of the ice, the faint blob of sunlight slowly starts to grow, and a phantasmal dripping starts to fall. As the sun itself comes through the thick layers, and then drops in a fireball. Phantasmal drippings. (laughs) That was really good. Uh, Those are two failed deck saves. D6 standard. Skadoosh. Skadoosh. Remember that time that you did like 40 damage with a fireball? Yeah. <laughs> can, you, can you do that again? Yeah, I was going to say, do or that more. again. <laughs> Here we go. The first three are cocked. One <laughs> and one. Fucking fuck. Three ones. Oh, oh no. <laughs> three plus... Two sixes and a four. Okay. All right. <laughs> okay. So the average is back now. <laughs> yeah. And so that's 19 so far. And then the last two are uh, two and a three. So we're bat- basically average. Now you learn through this battle and through exploring this underground cavity that it is revealed that part of the architecture that the ancient Ulfmans imparted into this chamber is that there is in fact a hole that leads from the roof of the chamber up to the peak of the tallest mountain of the Himmelhorns. So as the ice melts, the room is in fact filled with a degree of pure actual sunlight, which would allow you to reroll ones on your face, on your dice. Fuckity dick! Woo! Uh, Okay, so instead of 24, we're back at 21, and that's another nine. So so 21 plus nine, so 30. A nice, sweet, squeaky clean 30 damage. And the ball of fire fills that side of the room, hitting the backs of the two giants and inches away from the party's face. You can feel the heat coming off of it, but you remain unsinged. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. And now there's like almost a a soft, cold rain as some of the ice from above is just sort of trickling downward. That makes it Arvid's turn. Arvid needs to get to the leopard, but he's going to have to accrue some... Attacks of opportunity. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Arvid, look at me. I've got your back. My eyes glow with the sunlight. 
All right. So let's do it. I'm going to cast Warding Flare at the attack of opportunity that he incurs. Very good. The giant will take its swing. And with Warding Flare, that is a miss. Yay! <laughs> with a 14. Artem, that's just what I needed. Thanks. There we go. That's a thing I said. And then uh, <laughs> Arvid is then free to run to the leopard. And uh, if he'll make it, wait, what is it? Five million. You can double away. move to the leopard. Double move to the leopard. You have a handful of ash ready to go. So you can enact the prayer and drop the ash if you wish. Yeah, I do. So for the leopard. Spirit of the leopard, secret keeper, shadows in the frozen wilds. Show us the path that our ancestors would have us take. Damn, nice, Sam. Mm-hmm. Damn. So on it. So you almost slip on the ice with the velocity at which you run, but the ashes land at the base of the leopard. Your words fill the chamber, and once again this gentle breeze blows through. You hear the sounds of roaring, the calling of a hawk, the rich roar of a bear, and the howling of a wolf in the distance. And it seems to echo down the passages where your ancestors are buried. And as the sunlight pours through the new hole in the ceiling, the undead giants begin to sizzle and hiss and fade as these ghostly warriors cower weakly, crawling their way back down these passages, sifting and melting into the stone of the floor, leaving behind a horrible necrotic smell of ancient rotted blood. And you see the bear covered with its war paint roaring into the air and slashing its teeth into the ground, almost chasing them back into the darkness. It seems for now you have once again cast the shadows of your clan's violent past into the bowels of the earth until the next generation can once again take up the mantle to protect the land. Harthax will look at Crist and be like, I'm sorry we don't all bounce back from that quite so easily, my friend. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just glad you're okay. I'm not a very good cleric. I'd rather blow things up than heal them. That's most clerics I've met in my life, to be fair. (laughs) As the ritual completes, you feel a tremor of energy quake through the hollow ice cavern. The faded gray frozen walls slowly start to illuminate, as though lit from above. The rainbow of colors of the Aurora Borealis begin to fill and dance and reflect through the chamber. The deathly chill and emptiness is slowly replaced with a warmth and a gentle hum. The walls begin to gently weep as layers of ice trickle and melt away, and shapes are slowly revealed. Perhaps a relic uncovered from the past, or perhaps a manifestation of the events that unfolded here. A fifth statue hewed from dark stone of the mountain appears, a mighty horned ram, proudly rearing up as though preparing to charge forward, no matter what lies in its path. Storm, you okay there, pal? Boy, that one really got to you, didn't it? I mean, he was an outcast. And the ashes? Oh, the, oh, the statue. The order. Here, have my kerchief. Uh, uh, thanks, bud. Uh, God damn, those honor stories give me the weeps. I'm so proud of Arvid. And the team, and... Uh, I keep the 
get it on your tongue. And with that decisive success, despite some close calls, it seems young Arvid Ulfman has carried out the last wishes of his clan spirit mother and fulfilled the task given him by the tribal leader. Another day in the LUQ, another ancient evil banished back to the shadows. But damn, that giant hit Haru like a runaway lache. They'll be waking up sore tomorrow. But now, what lies in store for our heroes? What kind of welcome will they return to? Is this the end of the troubles for the people of the Frozen Hills? How far away is their next quest? Hopefully not too far. Season's coming to a wrap. They gotta get their last-minute quests in before the clock runs out. Right you are, Storm, my friend. I guess we'll find out together next time on the League of Ultimate Questing. Shit. Oh, that's so sweet. I am so warmed. Oh. Ah. I had such a cool turn planned. I and know, it sorry, just... but it's, <laughs> it's... It's, I'm glad that characters die sometimes, though, because yeah. it adds more tension, and we haven't seen that in a minute. I honestly, if, if that didn't end there, I was going to use uh, Channel Divinity to drive them back so that I could do it again. Yeah. <laughs> Law out there, bold-faced lying to Alante, too. Oh, it's five turns until you really have to worry. That is not true. If I rolled a one, that was it. <laughs> I had one fail already, yeah. a second roll with a one death. That's what I figured. Well, like, I meant no, on the high end. No, I guess that's true. Yeah. Don't don't risk it. Up yeah. to five. Hey, Elante. Hi. You want to read us out? Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, I will do that, but I think we should start with Sam and check in and, and say what's up. Hi. Oh, my God. Such good <laughs> redemption. Such that stuff good. is my shit. Oh. Ugh. Like, ugh. <laughs> Sorry, that was that was lovely. Thank you. Um, my name is Sam Frost, and I play Arvid Ulfman Eleven Eight Drew Barb. Uh, my name is Michael Loving. I play Harithax, the uh, the unconscious, uh, <laughs> the, the level eight, the level eight uh, dragonborn warlock who had a cool like one liner planned for Arvid, and then was gonna do something cool, and then just. <laughs> Just got 19 got. points of aura damage oh. completely circumvented that plan. Oh. And I am Chris Sagran, the sorcerer bard healer. I'm Artem Volkov. I'm Zach. I play Artem Volkov, the cleric of sunlight and suffering, and apparently just a fucking walking nuclear bomb. You're, <laughs> you're the fire starter. Yeah. I'm also the technical director for Slapdash Studios, uh, editor and producer. RTM's favorite terrain is crematorium. <laughs> my real. name, my name is Law. I am the dungeon master of the League of Ultimate Questing and the creative director of Slapdash Studios. I'd also like to thank Tori Christensen for editing these episodes. Woo! Notorious. Very nice. So thank you for joining us. New episodes go live every Monday, and they're wherever podcasts are available. So please, please, please check us out on the website on, on um, Spotify, iTunes, everywhere. And seriously, thank you guys for listening. Uh, you guys make this project even more fun. We love our people in the Discord. We love our Patreons. So thank you. But one thing that you could do for us is that you could share with your friends. You know, we love interacting on social media. That's uh, Slapdash Studios on Facebook and Slap the Dash on Instagram and Twitter. Definitely check out the website, theluq.com. We should have, what, Pride t-shirts or what have you? We'll get a link back up for those, yeah. Yeah, we're recording this during Pride time. might come out in July. But yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, but Pride, you know, that's that's a all year round. I thing. mean, our profile picture on Facebook has been rainbow all year. I don't want to change it. Literally since last year. I don't think that should change. <laughs> and we're going to pretend that 
isn't negligence. No, we <laughs> we actually did specifically decide to do that. Uh yeah. Um and and check check us out. Uh join us in our Discord. We love hearing from you guys, interacting. And there's Just such a lively fun. group of people there. So fun. Mm-hmm. We play Minecraft oh together, God. we have a realm. Yeah. Yes. Oh, I, I just have to say, everybody who's been on Discord, you've made like me going through finals a lot easier. <laughs> Seriously. The interesting topics, the cat pictures, it just warms my heart. <laughs> <laughs> and as always, I look forward to growing and questing with you. We look forward to growing and questing with you. Until <laughs> next time, wish you luck. Yeah. <laughs>